1: back to the X1 everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to visit our website, TV.com and on the Exxon Broadcast Network, where you can find uh, dates and times of all our broadcast programming that's available to you with our compliments, visit www.xzbn.net. Explanation. my guest this hour is Dr. Frederick Woodard. He received a doctor of clinical hypnotherapy from the American Institute of Hypnotherapy in 1992, a doctor of philosophy and clinical psychology from California, uh, California School of Professional Psychology in 2002. He has three master's degrees in psychology from University of West Georgia, American International College, and California School of Professional Psychology and intensive training at the Milton Erickson Institute in Arizona. He received the New England Paranormal Research of the Year Award in 2012 from CC Productions. He is a registered and certified clinical hypnotherapist. He has been a member of the American Board of Hypnotherapy, American Psychological Association, New Hampshire Psychological Association. Dr. Woodard is a direct great-grandchild of Chief I'm going to say this slowly so I don't uh, screw it up. Madaka Wanda. Wanda. Okay. And um, he is a licensed psychologist and certified hypnotherapist. He has published 11 peer-reviewed journals on hypnosis, the paranormal, and psychotherapy. And recently, a book with Schiffer Publishing titled Perpetual Hypnosis, a Spiritual Journey Toward Expanding Awareness. He does research in the paranormal, psychotherapy, and spirituality. Joining us now is Dr. Woodard. And, doctor, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: What was it that uh, that gave you the insight, or the inspiration, or the desire to include the paranormal in your practice?
2: Well, I I do research on the paranormal. I am very intrigued by it. I, I have an interest in altered states of consciousness and expanding our human potential and abilities, and that really is one of the things that I find fascinating about. Um, all of this is like, it's like moments that Abraham Maslow called it peak experiences, moments where something opens up and it can be so mm-hmm. wonderful, it's, it keeps you going for the rest of your life.
1: How would you describe, or what definition would you use to to describe the paranormal?
2: I think that it's, the things that have been being included in it is such that it's like not, it's not something that you can capture in a laboratory. Mm-hmm it's it's more it's not measurable as science in the lab would do it's more of a um a subjective experience
1: so how can we prove its existence then if we can't replicate it or well, that's establish
2: interesting, it interesting that's an interesting experience because um one area I know that hypnosis overlaid with this idea also was uh dr milton Erickson, who was very very uh renowned mm-hmm. he did studies where he would try to make the person do something against their will and then um and then um you know forget it and they would become very angry with him and eventually they would he would rem- re- let them remember and they and then they'd let it go but the idea is that technically speaking you can't really do these things you know you can't really prove these things to someone else that it isn't there
1: you so know, would you say like that you,
2: a life-threatening experience can't be replicated in a laboratory?
1: But a life-threatening experience can be documented by people on the outside looking in.
2: Yes, but sometimes it's just that person that goes somewhere and just has the urge to go there, and they go there and help that person, and you can't really, uh, you can't measure that except for those two people.
1: So how do we give the paranormal any credence uh, whatsoever?
2: Well, it's not just the physical. I think there's a lot of people out there trying to measure the physical, and that's not mm-hmm. bad. That's a good thing. But um, I think there's a lot of experiences that can't be measured. Examples? You know? Well, the ones that lead a person to something that's important for them but doesn't really mean anything to anyone else.
1: So in your opinion, are we looking at the paranormal in the wrong uh, the wrong way instead of looking at the paranormal as something can that can be experienced by everyone. Instead, well, it can should be we?
2: Experienced by everyone, but it's not like some people can see something, someone else doesn't see it. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You see what I'm trying to say?
1: No, sir. Could you uh, could you clarify that?
2: All right. So uh, somebody has uh, somebody communicates. Uh, I had a client. I had one subject that I used for my research that she couldn't they couldn't find their father's uh their father's uh documents to uh finalize the estate mm-hmm. and they were they had pretty much given up and all of a sudden she was getting ready to go to bed and she smelled her father's tobacco and she looked down at the end of the bed and there he was and he told her to go over to the house go in the coin saver and you'll find the document and that's where it was there was no one else there to witness that there was no one else there that that would matter to except for her family, and sure enough, that's where it was.
1: So, is there any any common thread between the people who have the paranormal experiences and those who don't?
2: Well, that's what I've been researching is not not to to, to say who doesn't, but. but what it what it what it ha, what, what a person needs to do it, and that's kind of what I was talking about in my book, my perceptual hypnosis book. It's kind of like the qualities of a person that are open to experience more. And one is a flexible, uh, having flexible uh, v- visions and perceptions, being open to positive experiences in the world. Those are a couple of the qualities. I think sometimes people don't want to see something, they don't see it, even mm-hmm. if it's there.
1: Would you say that grief if- and stress are catalysts for people having paranormal experiences?
2: Sometimes yes. One of the one of the things I I, I published an article, and it was quite a lengthy lengthy article in in um in psychological reports, which is it was a journal that was around for a long time, and now it's over to Sage Publications. But one of the things was that some of the experiences these people have that I found fascinating was that it went against their own beliefs. That unusual experience. They're, they're, they have no. Uh, Nothing to to reference it to. It's not like it was a wish fulfillment because Mm -hmm. they didn't even imagine that was possible.
1: In your opinion, what is the percentage of the population that actually does experience a true and bona fide paranormal experience?
2: I'm not sure. I think more people than we realize Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't talk about it. Some of the most um, fascinating cases that I've had, the person told me they've never told anybody. Why do you... there's also fear of being made fun of or um or being criticized
1: so why do you think more and more people are coming out now and sharing their paranormal experiences with everyone
2: I think it's gaining more exception i mean more acceptance mm-hmm. you know and I think that's making people more open to sharing their experiences
1: does this um does this experience find its way through every aspect of the paranormal. I mean, uh, for example, people who have near-death experiences, uh, visitations from those on the other side, UFO experiences, Bigfoot sightings, and so on. Or is this just related to certain aspects of the paranormal?
2: I think it's in everything, really. I think they're all interconnected, I really believe. I mean, Mm -hmm. people that are open experience what what they're supposed to experience. Every one of our paths are different you know but i think there overall there is an overall ability to perceive something or not perceive something i remember watching an old movie once it was on a poltergeist experience and the woman had a, a psychologist and then she had a doctor's and she got saw by everybody and nothing nothing really solved it she went back to her house and she was in her living room and the whole thing started again and there, her best friend and her, and her best friend's husband were standing there, and the best friend came in and hugged her and said, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. And the husband walked in and said, what did you do? Look what you did.
1: So how, would, totally we, how, would, we, how would we explain the movement of physical objects and, and relate it to a paranormal experience, for example, like a poltergeist?
2: Yeah, the interesting thing about that is one of the, one of the colleges I went to, the uh, University of West Georgia, um bill roll he's not around anymore that was his expertise poltergeist Mm -hmm. a lot of the times he believed it was the ability of, of, of certain people's minds to move those objects and those things happened when just certain people were there and so sometimes it was attributed to a person and sometimes it wasn't
1: how do we explain ghosts
2: well that's i mean i don't have all the answers but i do believe that they exist and i do believe people see them and um, that would be, you know, one of the wonderful things of
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, that there's something more. I mean, one of the most fascinating stories I, I heard, it's kind of just a uplifting story, was uh, it was written on that. It was an 1800 experience. And this woman, um, her daughter told her when she was really little that she was going to die when she was 12 years old. And at 12 years old, she was on her deathbed. And her mother was crying over her, and she said, Mom, Mom, why are you crying? Grandma's right there. She's waiting for me. Hmm. You know, and they had, they had they had this whole story documented from all the people that witnessed all the different events.
1: Does one's uh, religious uh, philosophical beliefs play a major part in the paranormal?
2: I don't know. I, I think some are more open than others. Um I would say that, so, so, and some people are open, even if their, if their organized religion isn't. But I, I think, I think sometimes people, yeah, it, it's individual.
1: In your experience, you know, like the, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir.
0: No, go ahead. What were you
1: going to say? I was just going to ask you, in your experience, what would you say the percentage of a true paranormal experience is compared to one that has been created by the person who may have been suffering from psych, some psychological. Uh, malady.
2: Well, there are both. There, there definitely are both. I mean, and there's, and then there's wish fulfillment too. I mean, there's people that wish mm-hmm. that things would happen. I remember someone telling me that they were hearing, you know, knocks in the in the wall, and it was actually a chipmunk.
1: So how do we how do we validate either one? How do we establish if it's a paranormal experience compared to? someone who is having mental uh, mental problems or suffering from a mental disorder or a chemical imbalance
2: well i think part of it it's it's the actual consequences it's mm-hmm. the actual you know they're the genuine really important ones that you would say have validation like you're talking about if you want to talk about a subjective experience would be when the event is is proven for example um there was a there was a story I documented in, one, in my journal article about a woman that was in uh, England, housewife, and she had been meditating, and she saw an attack on Israel during an Olympic event, mm-hmm. and described it in detail, sending a letter to Golden My Ear, dated the date that she, she it, it appeared to her. She gave them so much information they were able to stop it. It was so detailed, and she had no connections to anybody. No no involvement with anyone. And so that's there's the experience the person talks about, and then there's mm-hmm. the event. You know, it's sort of like the woman talking about how her father said the document was in the coin saver. Well, it was.
1: But how can we actually validate what this lady said to be true?
2: Well, that's right. That's where I use, you know, subjective uh, truth. For her, she mm-hmm. didn't know where it was. They looked everywhere. This event happened, and she found it
1: coincidence?
2: Well, some people might say that, but um, that's hard to to believe that you're just going to create the truth with coincidence.
1: Many people would say it's very hard to believe that you could actually get a communication from the other side and telling you where something lost is, and there you go to where it was uh, said to be, and there it's found.
0: Right, but that, that does happen.
1: All right, sir, please stand by. You and I have to take our Break for this uh, segment in Exonation. Our guest this hour is Dr. Frederick Woodard. And if you'd like to find out more about the doctor, please visit his website at Woodard Hypnosis and Psychotherapy.org forward slash paranormal.html. This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell. Send me your emails. Are you a believer or a skeptic? Exon at Exoneradio TV.com. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Dr. Frederick Woodard is our special guest. His website is www.woodardhypnosispsychotherapy.org forward slash paranormal.html. Um, what subjects do you include or have investigated in the paranormal, sir?
2: Um, it, it's just the individual that comes in, so. I've investigated some UFO abductions, some psychic abilities, some ghosts, some guardian angels, a oneness experience, which was very fascinating. That was a person that actually was at a um, gambling casino and suddenly went into a moment where he felt connected to everyone there. Um, I found that very interesting for the actual experience that he had, you know, the setting. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, tell us about the uh, alien abduction that you investigated.
2: Well, there's been a few people that have, I've in, interviewed. I used to have a, um, a person that worked for MUFON, and they would send people to me so I could, in, I could uh, do phenomenological research. It's just a certain qualitative research that you ask thoroughly each question until it's exhausted, and then you just pull the meanings out of the, what they experience. You know, and so um, things like that I I find very fascinating. It's the psychological aspects like the altering of time and space. The visual perceptions become very vivid. There's certain aspects that are different than other experiences.
1: Can you give us uh, details on the alien abduction phenomena that you have done research on and, and how it relates to different people? Do all people experience the same phenomena is the phenomena changed in any manner with the with the variance of clients for example?
2: Yes, it could be different with each person I would say I mean but some things you know I don't have all the answers I'm just doing research on certain cases but um I published that in my in the journal article and um, the person went through you know they they were quite um shocked by what had happened to them and um after they 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 just kept thinking it didn't happen. It was it was very unique, um, but they were also at a playground with children at the time that it happened.
1: And were there any witnesses to the uh, the abduction?
2: Well, they weren't. No, I, I don't mean abducted literally. It was more of a, a subjective experience.
1: Oh, okay. So having been referred cases by MUFON. Can you describe so that any? That was
2: one of them. That was one of them. But the, uh, what I'm saying is, the person didn't disappear.
1: So, so there was no extraterrestrial intervention.
2: Well, there was a subjective experience where they may have left their body.
1: So, would that be an out-of-body experience?
2: Well, I'm not sure. It was. I, I was just. I just studied their their um their subjective experience of what happened to them at, during those moments.
1: All right, for those new listeners who may have just joined us after this first break, what is a subjective experience?
2: It's an internal experience.
1: All right, so could you give us an example of an ex- you know internal experience?
2: Um, you could be sitting somewhere, and suddenly you see a flash of something and remember something from your past, and um, no one else sees that but you.
1: So... Would we classify a memory recall as such?
2: Well, yes, you could, you could, but then mm-hmm. again, there's those ones that aren't are uh, are are fantasy. That's the difficulty with the ex- with experiences. They're not all all real just because somebody had an internal experience.
1: All right. So, what would be some of the cues or some of the red flags that you, as a trained professional, would pick up? Pick up on that. What the person is telling you is not inconsistencies, real.
2: Inconsistencies, where negative experiences, where they're not really helpful to them. You know, they're not. They're not valid. There's nothing, nothing constructive that comes out of it.
1: But haven't you know, there been a lot of those uh, those paranormal experiences where? Where cases have been made, and when you look at the summation or the conclusion of the case, nothing constructive has come, in out, come out of that case. There are more questions than there are any answers. Well,
2: that's the truth. Of it. That's, that's with any truth. There always are more questions when you're done than
1: answers. But with, with any truth, sir, isn't it also true that the evidence and the findings will actually bring you to the truth?
2: Yes, yes, they, yes, and in all areas, you know, the interesting thing is the physical, mm-hmm. the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual, they're all in alignment and truth. All right. They're all, they're all, they're all, in, they're all in harmony.
1: All right, but just taking the example that you gave us of the case that was given to you by MUFON of this lady who had uh, 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 an inner abduction experience. Mm-hmm. How can we quantitatively say that this was an abduction experience and nothing more than a fleeting moment or a flash recall?
2: Well, it was, it was a long experience. I, can't, I, I couldn't take the whole time to go over the entire experience. It took me hours to investigate that with her. So it's... um. It's more of you have to read through the experience to to see what's going on. It's like i I just pulled the themes out of it, but it's it's not you know the genuine experiences that are subjective is what I've been interested in because the other ones you don't you know you can measure if you can measure it, you don't need anything else. but a lot of things can't be measured.
1: So am you know, i too, uh, so am I correct in understanding that the cases that you take on or do research on,
2: well, I do qualitative research, so it's subjective. Okay. But I look for, you know, the the things that are consistent in all these all these uh, all these experiences. That's what I've been trying to work on and that's in my a lot of my work, but it's not something I can just summarize in a few moments.
1: So, how long does it take you once you start an investigation to finish your investigation? on a generalized basis, or, or is it case by case? It's case by case. And do you do direct interviews with these people? Do you use uh, hypnosis yes. in the in your interviews and your treatments?
2: Most of the time I don't use hypnosis, no.
1: No, eh? how come?
2: It's just interviews. Well, why? it's not necessary. Most people are aware of their experiences.
1: Then why do some people get hypnotized by by other professionals, like yourself, when describing a paranormal event?
2: Well, sometimes I think they, uh, they, if, if the person doesn't remember something, they want to try to remember it. But that's kind of, there's also false memories that can come from hypnosis. So when a person can remember it without hypnosis, it's much more effective.
1: All right, but I'm having a a bit of a, maybe I'm not understanding this right. When somebody, if you're talking to somebody, they're giving you their story. Yes. How do you, how do you, how can you be 100% certain that what the person is telling you is the truth?
2: Well, if you interview them enough, you can get a sense of what is valid and what isn't valid.
1: I know a number of police investigators who... Who have excellent interview skills, who have been duped by some of the very best. So how do we how do we apply how do we apply? Well, I'm not
2: I'm not I'm, talking about truth in that in the sense you are. I'm talking about the, the characteristics that all these experiences share.
1: Oh, I see so it would be the truth as the experiencer has experienced. As
2: consciousness as consciousness is, looking at consciousness, you know, like I said, one of the things is images become much more vivid. The memories are a lot more clear. Hmm. They're experiences that are hard to forget. Um, if you look at the research, when people look into some of these experiences, they're not things that happen to them every day,
1: right? But they're is very rare. But
2: sometimes they're one once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's several in a lifetime, and um, one or two, and they, the person has a hard time letting go of that experience. I mean, I know there's a lot of coincidence stuff. Um, I, 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 I see that, but that's also what Carl Jung called is synchronicity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he spoke about was in his office one day a picture fell, and he wrote down the time, and that was the moment that that person in the picture died. It was a meaningful experience.
1: All right. Excuse my my skepticism but was anybody in the office with Carol, carl jung when this picture fell
2: well that's the point see that's what i mean by subjective truth it right. only it only matters to that person
1: so why is no this one... a, so why would this be important for anyone else if it is just well, subjective the, the,
2: the important part see that's where i'm trying to i, I guess that's where maybe you're trying to go the important part is that it opens you up as a person to, well, there's, something more me- there's something meaningful happening in a different way than I was taught. I see. And then you're more aware of that, but it doesn't necessarily change anything. It's not like you're, you're changing, you know, the world, you're, but you're changing how you see the world, and then that changes your understanding of the world. But that's only if those are real, you know, if those right. are real experiences.
1: So if someone does not experience or share the experience that the person claiming to have the experience with, it will have no valid effect on them and it will be of no significance to them, am I correct?
2: Right, right. It, it, it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It's only important to that one particular person who had that experience at that moment.
1: But if that is the case, or why is this... Uh, A subject of of research, then, if it only affects the person that has the experience.
2: Well, because I think if people are open to that, they'll start to understand those experiences are meaningful sometimes. You know, there's lots of... um, I remember one of the things I put in one of my journal articles, there was a biker I met at a gym, and he knew I was investigating those kind of experiences, And he told me about how one day he was driving his motorcycle and he slipped on some sand and his bike went down and he injured himself, but not badly. Mm -hmm. And as he was laying there, he heard a voice say to him, get up right now if you want to live. And he moved, and right when he moved, the truck went right over the spot he was laying down on. That's meaningful to him. It saved his life. But it doesn't mean anything to anyone else.
1: Could that be the small voice at times that gives people certain messages that... For example, like guardian angels.
2: Right. It, it could be. Yes, exactly. It could be. The, the source of it is the hard thing to understand. That's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't try to put an answer to that, but there there's many experiences like that. There's people that have had experiences where they're not present, and they see what's going on, and then they check on it, and sure enough, that's what's happening.
1: Could this be part of the human collective?
2: It could be, yes. It very well could be. I'm I'm not labeling those mm-hmm. things. I try to do, when I say phenomenological research and sub, you know qualitative research, I'm just trying to to point out those events in their in there's as they happen, not put on labels on it or anything. You know what I mean? Just describe it. I,
1: I understand. So yet, I, I understand that. But do you do a, a, an analysis, a data analysis between all the different cases that? That that you do research on to see if you can come to any conclusion.
2: Well, yeah, but they're those kind of themes. That, like I said, two of the biggest ones are like the vivid images. Mm-hmm. One of the things with ghosts that's interesting is I've had a handful of people that told them to stop, and it all stopped. Just stopped.
1: Hmm. Could that be because the 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 person has had problems, and they themselves are manifest manifesting the. The uh, the ghost and when the person tells them to stop, they recognize that they have the power to stop whatever is in them manifesting these ghosts.
2: Well, it wasn't a problem because the, 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 oh. the, 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 the situations where that happened, it mm. wasn't affecting that person
0: in a negative way.
1: Oh, gotcha. All right, stand by, sir. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Exxon Nation, our guest this hour, is Dr. Frederick Woodard. And if you'd like to get more information on the doctor, visit his website at www.woodardhypnosisandpsychotherapy.org forward slash This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada skeptic or believer, send me an email exxon at TV.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Frederick Woodard is our guest this hour, www.woodardhypnosisandpsychotherapy.org forward slash paranormal dot Doctor, there are a number of uh, medical professionals and psychologists who believe that the manifestation of a paranormal experience, especially during a period of, a, of grief in a person's life, is the body, is the mind adjusting through this grief that the person is is experiencing and that the communication of a dearly departed is a way of the mind closing that episode and it's part of the grieving process. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Are you there, doctor?
2: Yes. Um, I... Sometimes people, you know, work through their grief. Grief is a different subject.
1: But a number of the paranormal experiences that I've been told by paranormal investigators, as well as psychologists and psychiatrists and medical professionals, happens during this grief process. You know, we were talking before where people have, you know, have had the visitation that, uh, for example, the little, the little, child who said don't worry Mummy, grandma's here right you know the right. mother the mother was going through a grief the loss that you know she was watching well, her is, child see,
2: there again how can we prove that grandma was there
1: well that's is what i'm saying is this part of the grieving process i'm not i'm not debating whether grandma was there or not i'm just asking if oh i know yeah.
2: well what i'm saying is sometimes i think those are you know th- those are experiences where people are like working through their own stuff, and sometimes they may be real. They may really be real, but how do we know?
1: Is it important whether or not these are real or not?
2: Well, I don't think it's as important as the meaning, what the meaning of that is. The meaning is that she's going to be okay, that's what she's trying to tell her mom, Mm -hmm. and that, that I think, is what, what, what was important in that moment.
1: But looking at the paranormal uh, in the whole, whether it's UFOs, whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's ghost hauntings, things that go bump the night, is, is it really this important that so many people are spending so much time, dedication, and in many cases, when it comes to the paranormal teams, their own money to investigate this with all the number of years that this investigation has been going on? Nothing has been found. When do we call it quits?
2: Well, I I think I'm not looking for that, like, that way. I'm looking for the meaning of the experiences. So I look at the meaning for that person and what that does for that person. And like I said, one of the most, um, you asked earlier what fascinated me the most, and one of them is that a person has an experience that they don't even have a belief that involves, and they can't wrap their head around their idea around what what just happened. Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen but it did for them
1: but doesn't and doesn't it, the meaning justify the end
2: it's usually a shock to the person though it's that when it's a, when it's something that people want it's different there's different aspects like a wish fulfillment mm-hmm. versus um a genuine experience that they didn't even expect to have you know And I think, sometimes I think they're very genuine experiences of something more after, but then who knows? We'll only know when our time
0: comes.
1: What are the chances that a person who has this shocking experience may have subconsciously or inadvertently heard or seen something that would trigger this experience that they've never had before?
2: I guess it would be possible. Could be possible, but it's also it's also it's each individual situation. You have to look at the situation, each person's uh, case differently.
1: Right, but but if the paranormal was in fact a reality, and I'm not saying it's not. Right. If it was, would there not be consistency in all the reports that are being sent in and all the reports that are being? reported around the world you
2: know i guess an analogy is called for in this moment in the the 1800s there was a doctor i forgot his name Mm -hmm. but he was a surgeon and he told all of his peers that washing your hands will reduce infections in surgery Mm -hmm. and they told him he was crazy
1: yeah i agree i i know that analogy very well
2: right so so the idea is that if someone has a real experience, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else is going to be able to have it, or see it, or accept it, and it's important that it's an individual by individual case. There are people that are psychotic, and they're seeing things that aren't there, and they're making connections that don't belong together, but then there's those people that have these meaningful connections.
1: But what about the pareidolia effect? The what? You know, where the mind starts putting, connecting the dots that may not actually have any consistency or any reality in a paranormal experience?
2: Well, there's the aha experience in gestalt psychology where they uh, there was an old scientist and he was trying to solve a problem and he had used all of his resources mm-hmm. and really couldn't do it. And then on the way to visit, he was in Europe, on his way to visit his uh, mother on a train or something, he had the vision of the helix and that was the solution. And it, and it worked. So um, there is that uh, you put everything you can into something, and then you let it go, and then the and then your unconscious mind helps
1: process yeah, it. Exactly, like there's many that. like many people, they'll say, "Well, let me sleep on it," and the next right. morning they have the solution because they haven't, you know. In my opinion, they just haven't been <laughs> trashing it over and over and over in their minds.
2: Right <coughs> to, to find out, but I, I think that there's something something important mm-hmm. there. But I also think there's a lot of people that dismiss it because it's not, it's not productive, it's not monetary, it's not, it's not going to give me something. But uh, those things are important, I, I think, meaningful, meaningful to individuals and help them mm-hmm. find their way in the world. That doesn't necessarily have to be big and important for the world in a, in a monetary, um, scientific proof way, but in an individual kind of growth way. So that, you know, you become a, a more aware person in the world and you understand more. It's just like some of the Native American ways. I, I respect them so much. My distant cousins, I respect what so much of their stuff, and yet it's mm-hmm. sometimes belittled and ignored and not even, um, not even given any, any credence.
1: But isn't that the same individual choice that a person has, whether or not they acknowledge something from the past as to whether or not a person has actually had a paranormal experience?
2: Right. Well, yes. I mean, the idea is it's each person's choice whether Mm -hmm. they want to... I'm not trying to convince anybody to do anything they don't want to do. I just, like, enjoy trying to expand my understanding of the universe and help people while I do that. And that is a wonderful thing. That's all I'm trying to do. And it's, it's, not, it's not a black and white or, a, you know, two plus four kind of process. It's mm-hmm. more of a what do we not understand? And it's almost like you have to, one of the things about phenomenology is you have to let go of your preconceived notions or anything that you think you know to see something beyond what you know. And it's so hard for people to do, so hard to let go. In when a your, person comes in, I, 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 I act like I don't un- know the experience. Tell yeah. me your experience. Help me understand it from your point of view, as if I don't know anything about it. In and your, I try to really understand their experience.
1: In your experience, do rich, powerful, and people who have fulfilled lives have these experiences?
2: I, don't, I think it goes across all, all, all walks of life.
1: Have you had that experience, though, sir?
2: Myself, any big, big experience? No.
1: No, I mean where somebody who's very rich, very powerful, or who has a secure, stable life, uh, who has a lot to look forward to in their daily lives as well as a bright future. Have you had these people come to you with these paranormal experiences?
2: Yes, I've had people, like I said, in all walks of life.
1: All walks of life. What is your basic aim, sir, in the new book that you're writing? What would you like readers to walk away with after they've bought your book and read it?
2: well if if my the new book that mm-hmm. I'm working on would be um, the idea that um, once they see the things that are common from all these different experiences, that means all the different things you just talked about, not right. just one but all of them, um, then that might help open them up to be more open to have those experiences.
1: Something you said before was uh, in your work, one of you know getting closer to the universe or understanding the universe how does this fit in with the universe if it's an a, a self a so, uh, you know an experience that you yourself has or another person has how does this work into a universal event
2: well it's it is interesting cuz you 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 know you bring the individual universal and each person is unique mm-hmm. so they have a unique path there's some things we share in common and some things that are, are for ourselves and I think it's just I think we've we evolved. The, the world evolves slowly, but it has evolved. We've we've made much progress in many ways in the world. And I think that that universally, there's some things everybody can share, and then there's individuals where individuals get different experiences from from those experiences. And the, the, I I look at the individual experiences. That's what is important to me, not the the more universal ones. It's more like what each individual can get out of it and how that meaning can be translated into a universal idea that mm-hmm. can be used individually, not not like blanket across the board. That's, I think, where the problem is. Some of the greatest minds and some of the greatest people I've I've uh, been exposed to, mm-hmm. Milton Erickson was one of them, Freud was another, Jung was another. There were some great people, and they did not want their work institutionalized because it was very individual. Each case was individual. And yet, when they were gone, people tried to universalize everything.
1: Well, if you go to a doctor with an ailment, the doctor goes and does...
2: Well, that's physical. That's
0: medical,
1: yeah. But what is the difference, important. then? What is the difference between the work of a medical doctor and the work that you're doing? Don't, you know, the doctor cures you.
2: Well, it's a holistic approach, too. You know, sometimes if you're thinking positive mm-hmm. and... And versus negative, if you think negative, you release negative chemicals in your body. And then that, like, kind of wears down your immune system, makes you more susceptible to get sick. But if you're more positive, it's a holistic approach. But medical is clearly, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have total respect. I was in a motorcycle accident. I wouldn't have my leg if it wasn't for a medical doctor.
1: So if I understand this, that the medical approach is based on fact. The approach that you are taking is based on a hypothesis.
2: No, 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 it's, no, no. I, I'm taking themes from the different experiences. I take the person's experience, bring it down to their fundamental meaning, and okay. then I try to compare them with the other ones, and try to come up with themes, themes that, that explain that in a way. But I try to respect the individuality of those experiences at the same time.
1: I've got about forty so it, seconds left, Doctor. How can somebody else's experience help me?
2: Well yeah it, it's a it's a how it relates to you that that would be how it would help you if it relates to you or not. Some experiences will relate to some people mm-hmm. and some won't. I guess it's like people that share common experiences can gain something from it, but not everybody. you know, but I think there's a difference mm-hmm. between. What you know, the, the physical, like the physical and the, the psychological, I think they're different individually, psychologically. There's some things that are true for everyone, but then there's the individual differences, you know. And I like to explore the individual differences.
1: All right, doctor, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Dr. Frederick Woodard, visit his website at www. You ready? Here comes Woodward Hypnosis and Psychotherapy Woodard, Woodard I'm sorry Woodard and Woodard Hypnosis and Psychotherapy dot forward slash paranormal dot I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada Tell me, are you a believer or are you a skeptic? I must be honest with you Zone Nation I'm more confused now than when I started this interview. Like, what the hell is he doing it for? I have no idea. And it's funny when he mentioned that, you know, something about people not making money. And what the hell is he writing a book for? Is he giving it away? I doubt it. I'll be back, don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, broadcast around the world on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, xzone at TV.com and on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. Check out the X-Zone Universe. That's Universe where you can actually pick the topic of conversation that you'd like to listen to. And uh, let me see, there are what we call the X-Zone Biblical Files, where there's biblical mysteries and miracles and, and other religious aspects of the show that we do there. We have the X-Zone Ghost Files, the X-Zone UFO Files, uh, the X-Zone Psychic Files, and you can just go to any one of these categories And just scroll down and pick the show that you'd like to listen to. All with our compliments, Doctor Frederick Woodard is our guest of this hour, and his website is www.woodardhypnosisandpsychotherapy.org forward slash paranormal.html. Doctor, have you yourself had one of these paranormal events?
2: Oh, nothing like uh, nothing huge like that. I I I remember one of the first times I had an experience that I I thought was a synchronicity. Mm -hmm. It was um. I had, my uncle had died in the war and I, and somebody had told me he was, you know, looking out for me, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I was being skeptical and I said, ah, maybe that's not even real. And I, and I was in a store and I was getting a soda and they handed me my change and there was a war nickel in my change and war nickels are really hard to get. It's rare to get a war nickel. It's got a P on the back of the nickel and it's part nickel and part silver. And my uncle died in the war. And so I was like, wow, maybe I should have an open mind, I guess. I'm not going to—I um, didn't have that. That's not proof, but it, mm-hmm. certainly, it certainly made me pay attention.
1: How about these paranormal experiences where people experience demons? That seems to be a big topic these days when talking to ghost researchers and other paranormal investigators. Everybody talks about demons these days. How do we explain that yeah. in, a, in a genre that we can both understand?
2: That I haven't. I haven't worked with too many people that have had demonic experiences. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what would you say is your most baffling uh, area of the paranormal that you do have experience with?
2: The most baffling.
1: Yeah, the most interesting. The most intriguing.
2: The most intriguing is how people know something before it happens, or they're aware of something in an, in another location that's taking place at the very same time that they're that they're experiencing it and they can't physically be there i find that fascinating or there was a really interesting case i came across that was uh published by a woman that um had regressed a woman back into like the 1500s in spain mm-hmm. and all the details of the regression included um the fact that there were only two inquisitors there at the moment and there was actually a university in the area and so she, the 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 therapist had like recent contacted the university and they said oh no no there was always three in, inquisitors there at the time blah 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 well she went and researched it and literally at that moment in time there had only been two one it was on leave but it was buried in in, in papers that were dirt filled and nobody had any record of that and so there was a lot of details in that particular case that would uh, make people really wonder, how, how do you know that? How could you know that? Now, the parapsychological aspect of mm-hmm. that would be perhaps she was communicating with a spirit that was there. Perhaps she hit the timeline. There's a lot of hypotheses, but how she came across that knowledge is, is um, very hard to understand.
1: In your research, has there been any correlation with animals on the paranormal?
2: I haven't had any actual cases of animals, but I've heard of cases of animals.
1: Could you share them with us?
2: Well, there was one right on the. There was one that I saw on TV. It was very fascinating. It was this couple down south, and the guy was a farmer, and his wife had cancer, and she was dying, and they were in their 30s. And he was trying to keep the farm going and trying to go and support her. And he was losing his energy, and then all of a sudden this dog showed up. And this dog kept hanging around him, and he s- seemed to be getting more energy. And then all of a sudden his wife started getting better. And one day he put the dog, he took the dog in the house and put him in a, in a, in a porch where there was a 10-foot high fence that no dog could literally jump. And in the morning he came out and the dog was gone, but the dog came back the next day. And um, and was with him again. And eventually, his wife came home, and her cancer was cured. And they brought the dog into the bedroom and locked the door. And in the morning, they woke up, and there was no dog. Is but there? He believed that dog was like a guardian angel type that came along to help him and his wife recover from that experience.
1: Are children more susceptible to paranormal experiences than adults?
2: I'm not sure. I think well, it depend. I guess it would depend on who you talk to. I remember a book written by a teacher who was saying that younger kids remembered more things, and then mm-hmm. as they started to reach their teenage years, they remembered less. Um, and wrote a whole book on all these experiences these kids had told him about. But my experience, I, I, I were, I've gotten more stories from adults than children.
1: Do you get referrals from uh, ghost investigators as well as Mufon?
2: Well, I have. Yes, I have people who I, I I do subjective interviews. I do a specific kind of research where I interview the person. I see if there's an experience, and I like to have the correlation of a, of, a, of a life event that correlates with whatever is going on. And I and I, I research certain types of people. I don't just not just anyone.
1: I have to ask you at this time, why would MUFON or a paranormal investigative team refer someone to you if if you cannot give any proof of the event happening?
2: Well, they just let me, they just, uh, it's not that. They don't, they're not doing it for proof. They just um, come to me so I can do the research. All right, I, I... I do more I'm doing a different kind of research than a lot of other people. I'm just looking for the themes and all the experiences from what people are telling me from more of a psychological, theme-oriented way, what they all share, not necessarily, you know, physical evidence and all that. That's
1: Can we a say it's more or less a, a, a data mining exercise?
2: It's more of a psychological profile kind of thing. What, what are all these people sharing? What are they all experiencing similar? I actually am working on a book right now that will actually um, come out that has all that in it, and I don't want to just start talking about it prior to the book being published. But I've been working on it for a long time, since like 2000.
1: But I asked you before if there were any common threads, and you said no.
2: Well, I said, I said there, that I haven't, I haven't like published that yet, so I, uh, I, I'm working on that right now.
1: So, are you saying that there are? I
2: told you that were common were in my journal article. So the contrary to what their beliefs, unexpected, contrary to their beliefs, change in, um, change in, time and space, um, things like that. The vividness of the experience.
1: Okay, external
2: influences.
1: All right. So, am I to understand that you, even in your book, there will be no conclusive evidence? either saying that well, the par- what you wait to say se-
0: that
2: it's like um it's like you know i what i notice is there's an a- one of the things one of the themes was an active relationship with our universe and then i use examples to point mm-hmm. that out or social psychological influences you know people are fearful of being viewed as crazy or mentally ill so they don't share their experience healthy people
1: why Negative have...
2: reactions from others, um, things like that, cause people to not want to
0: share their experience.
2: But
1: here we are in the year 2020. We're going into the year 2021. The paranormal is all over the place. Why in today's society would anyone have a fear of discussing or talking about a true experience that happened?
2: I don't know. I guess that it's just very common.
1: Okay, so I mean, so in your book, all the data that, that, that you have amassed over the years that you're going to be revealing in, in your book, uh, I can understand why you may not want to, you know, reveal some of your book that may thwart sales, I was kind of hoping that it would increase sales. Um,
2: well, it's not, the book isn't published yet. That's oh, why. I see.
1: What my you, other book hmm? is,
2: my hypnosis book is published. And I touch on some of the experiences in there, some of them, but not all of them.
1: What kind of experiences have you touched on in the book that you published that we can talk about?
2: Well, one was a shadow figure experience that was quite frightening to a person. And I actually worked with them on that with some hypnosis that had actually helped them um, get through that experience. But they had a hard time
1: releasing
2: it. And then eventually they were able to let it go with the with with, um, with using some imagery and and some things like that
1: so when you say they were able to let it go I, I would imagine that you're talking about the the shadow figure that that they were seeing right the fact that you were able to get them to let it go does that mean that it only resided in their in their mind and once you were able to make that
2: well, it seemed like it, there was a phys- physical things going on with it, but the point is, I didn't let I didn't do anything. They did. I just helped them. You can't do something for someone else; they have to do it themselves.
1: No disrespect, sir. Then why did they have to go through hypnosis?
2: Well, the point is, I guided them, but I couldn't make them do it. They they had to do the work. I couldn't do the work for them.
1: All right, uh, they. How does hypnosis work then?
2: Well, hypnosis is really self-hypnosis. It's like, it's just your consciousness. It's just learning to use the tool in a a better way. It's like more focused and concentrated. Um, Like uh, John Elliotson wanted to reword it to one idea, Mm -hmm. to focus on one idea, totally just on that idea. But it's really your, 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 um, your mental abilities—it's just being able to focus on them.
1: Oh, okay, I understand that. Clear I,
2: your thought, mm-hmm. you know, clear in your thought, no doubt, and be able to to do that correctly, and then you you gain control over your mind. A lot of people don't have control over their minds. It's like philosophically speaking of unreflected and reflective thinking. Unreflected thinking is you just respond to anything and forget about it, and you don't even remember what you said. Reflective thinking is, gee, why did they say that? What would happen if I said this? And you mm-hmm. kind of process it before you just respond.
1: If the person who was having the problem with the shadow figure um, experienced real contact with this shadow figure and the shadow figure for every purpose of the of this example was real, how could you as a hypnotist block the person from having actual contact with a physical or real entity.
2: Well, they didn't I don't know that they physically touched them, but mentally. But um, the point was that I didn't do I taught them how to protect themselves and how to take control of their mind so they weren't fearful and they were able to protect themselves and control themselves and then take control of their own mind. So whether that whether that shadow figure mm-hmm. was real or wasn't real, whatever it was, it was affecting them and then they learned to take control of their minds and release it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? I I, I don't always um I don't always say that, you know, I'm talking about the truth. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the truth of what a person's experiencing and trying to help them work with that so, it's, uh, so it so it it works with them in a healthy way. And right. most of my work on the spiritual is mm-hmm. is not my uh it's not, I don't, people don't pay me for that. It's
0: it's research I do, and it's free.
1: All right, sir, stand by. We've got to take our final break. And explanation. if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Frederick Woodard, visit his website, Woodard Hypnosis and forward slash paranormal.html. That's Woodard Hypnosis and forward slash paranormal.html and we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the exxon with yours truly rob mcconnell from our broadcast center and studios in niagara ontario canada don't forget if you're a skeptic or a believer i want your email send it to me exxon at exxon radio tv.com